1,000 Better Stories. Welcome to 1,000 Better Stories, the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine a better and fairer future beyond the new normal and transform what we think is possible. Hello, I'm Kashka Hempel, your story weaver for today. And in this episode, we continue with the story on community climate action plans based on the work done with communities by Keep Scotland Beautiful over the last couple of years. Listen to part one to hear the overview from the KSB's Heather Ashworth and a conversation I had with Kate and Christine from Sustainable Kirimure about their experience as one of the communities involved in the project pilot. Today, uh, we hear from the community of Camlin and Tamferhill near Falkirk, who have just freshly emerged from their planning process. Last autumn, I was joined on Zoom by John Hosey, who brought together the planning group, and Falkirk High students Olivia and Maya, and their teacher Lily, who took part in the planning sessions. To start, I asked them to paint us a picture of the area and their community. Tamferhill and Kim is an interesting community. It's post-industrial central Scotland. The canal network goes through our area and the Falkirk Wheel. And the hinterland of that uh, is forest and wooded, but on either side of it, there is areas, significant areas of multiple deprivation. I'm John Hosey. I'm the community safety engager, and I'm employed by the Our Place Camelin and Tamfa Hill project, which is managed by the Tamfa Hill Tenants and Residents Organisation. One of the positive parts of the area is a very strong sense of identity. So somebody from Camelin's a mariner, and a mariner is because of the historic relationship of Camelin to the river and the water. And in more recent history, that possibly would be the canal. Um, so it's it has a strong sense of place and a strong, strong sense of who it is and what it was. The population's around about 7,000 and there's maybe about four distinct neighbourhoods within that community, making up Camelin and Tamfer Hill. The area's quite fortunate in that although it's urban and generally post-war council housing stock, there's a lot of green spaces within the area and there's the two major canals go through it and where they interchange at the Falkirk Wheel. So there's significant areas of green open spaces and potentially leisure, recreation and environmental potential at all of these locations. Yeah, um, I quite like so sort of Dollar Calendar, dollar calendar. calendar Park. Yeah. I'm Olivia MacDonald and I am a prefect here at Falkirk High School. I feel like Calendar Park is actually quite good because compared to some other places that I go, they're quite good with taking, you know, clearing up the area. It's such a nice space for children and people to go on walks and just, you know, enjoy themselves. 
Yeah, I really like um, the Falkirk Wheel. I'm quite, I live quite close to the Falkirk Wheel. So I'm about like a 10 minute walk away. So I quite like going there. My name's Maya Rankin. Um, I'm a student here at Falkirk High School with Olivia and I'm 15 years old. They, they have bins everywhere. That's one thing I do realise. They've got bins everywhere, especially because the amount of people are tourists that come with picnics and stuff. Um, but it's, it's also like a really good um, educational area of Falkirk I would say it's got a lot of history to it um so it's it's a really good place for families to go and it's you know it's very inclusive it's got stuff for everyone it's got play parks it's got the water um activities it's 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 got everything I really like there I think the probably the the greatest challenge of community meets it is fairly typical of central Scotland post-industrial um, and it faces, there's, I think, three data zones within the top 5% in the social index of multiple deprivation. Poverty is a real issue. F- uh, fuel poverty, um, food poverty. Um, and, you know, that is fairly you know, obvious or blatant in, in a sense. So these are the challenges the community faces. It's, from my perspective, a really vibrant and good place to work, a welcoming community. Um, I live in a foreign country called Alawa, and I was always made feel absolutely welcome and part of the community since the day I first worked there. So that's a strength that has informal support networks. But a lot of work is still required around I would, what I would call community development work. So there isn't a lot of people prepared to form themselves into structured committees or development trusts or vehicles for community action and community change. Um, But there's a very positive informal network there. I think the climate crisis underpins a lot of these challenges and they are exasperated by the existing economic and social challenges within the area. How come you got involved in the development of a climate action plan? Where did that come out of? Two reasons. The community had identified environmental concerns as a priority for community safety. And an acknowledgement that the climate emergency is a community safety concern. My, I came into post in 2020, May 2020, in full lockdown, tasked with having to consult and engage with the community around their priorities for community safety. The biggest issue that was identified of greatest concern to the community at that time, and by far the biggest concern by a long way, was littering, fly-tipping, the state of open green spaces, the amount of detritus that was lying around the community. Uh, Although there was other concerns, they related to drug use and addiction, and there was concerns around things that won't surprise you around antisocial behaviour. The environmental concerns outshone everything else. so a response was needed to that, a community-based response, and we did a number of things. We we launched a campaign to keep Camelon and Tamford Hill tidy, clean and green. We mo- were able to mobilise some volunteers, um, and we got about the whole process of tidying up, cleaning up and greening our community. Young people in particular were getting involved in canal clear-up work, clearing the water, clearing the towpath. There was a lot that was about community cohesion but also reconnecting the community with the canal so it was connected to the community's industrial past but it had become an area that was more perceived to be about anti-social behaviour risk-taking and unsafe 
So the clearing up of that canal reconnected the community with the canal. So there was that strand that was going on. Other issues, the whole cost of living crisis and energy crisis was impacting on a community that was already facing economic and social challenges. So one particular very strong strand was the Tamfer Hill Community Hub, who sat on the core group to develop this plan. They were going through asset transfer of their building from the council into community ownership, and the gas and electric bills are absolutely not sustainable. The bills are going through the roof. You know, we're looking at £30,000 a year to heat and light a building. That's a salary of a worker. That's a lot of provision in terms of youth work or adult work or community development work. It's a massive amount of money to a small charity. And, you know, you can talk about community safety in any kind of context, but if you don't have a community hub for the community to come together, then it's going to be to the detriment of community safety and community cohesion. That building's existence has become existential. If we don't find ways of being more efficient with energy, if we don't find alternative energy sources, um, the building's future is very unclear. Other groups that were the piecemeal and disjointed way were involved with community growing activities and there was some litter picking going on and there was other pockets of activity. So bringing these priority issues together and bringing the different groups engaged with these activities together to form a coherent community climate action plan seemed a very logical thing to do, a necessary thing to do. Um, so my role was really kind of a, as an enabler and facilitator of that initial core group and setting that agenda. My name is Lily and I'm a high school music teacher at Falkirk High School, um, but I'm also doing an acting PT job in wider community and parental engagement. Um, so as part of that, um, I've, I make quite a lot of contact with John um, and have kind of been involved in things like taking the pupils out on litter picks and canal clear ups with them. Um, and as part of that, it's kind of continued on into being part of the Community Climate Action Plan. And then I went to a group of pupils in our school. So we have what we call Pupil Junior Management Team, which Olivia and Maya are a part of, or were a part of, should yeah. I say, last year. They're an for now. But last year, I took groups of children with me along to the meetings with John and the rest of the team. And Olivia and Maya were at quite a lot of those. We started to go on litter picks with Changemakers, which is another team here that you know do a lot of things for the environment and basically seeing all rubbish everywhere it sort of made me feel you know disappointed and realize how important it is. As a school we're in the process of kind of working towards our green award um, and so Olivia was talking about the change makers group there and that is that's our kind of eco group in school. I think just taking the pupils out and actually seeing what damage littering particularly is doing to the community is just quite eye-opening and is an area as a school that we are really focusing on is our litter strategy and um, because we are aware that you know littering happens and it's not always just our school pupils and um, we do know that but they you know they can be a, a focus sometimes which is unfortunate we've also as a school we've been trying to put together or we have put together should I say our, That's what I was thinking, yeah, the, the our community charter. Community charter, yeah. Do you want to maybe talk a wee bit about what that is, Olivia? Yeah, so it's our charter and it's basically 
about how we can help the environment and what the school could do and what the pupils could do when they're going out for lunch or just how they could be respectful mm-hmm. towards local businesses and the environment. Um, and we went around um, during our letter, letter picks actually to ask um, some shop owners or local businesses around the area to put up the you know charter, the posters for it. And, you know, they were very open to doing it and it was a good... Yeah, so I think our litter strategy at Falkirk High is a, a big focus this year. Um, and, the you know, being part of the Community Climate Action Plan is helping us to make an improvement in the community. I mean, the, the core group that have taken the plan forward, it's absolutely essential that the young people were involved and I can only thank the school so much for giving so much commitment to this. And the school... It doesn't just serve Camelin and Tamfa Hill. Falkirk High is what it says. It's Falkirk. Um, but they are a really p- an important part of our community. But the other groups that took part in the core group, the, the Fourth Valley Sensory Centre, they too, by their name, have a, a remit that covers more than just our local community. And they were another organisation that are an asset to our community but haven't always been integrated with neighbourhood-based work. And they came on board with us, and that was really important as well. And working closely in partnership with our Tidy Cleaning Green Community Group, which is a resident-led group, along with the the two Tamfra Hill organisations. So there was the bringing together of these groups was an important part of this process as well. Yeah. So what was the actual process and when did it happen and what did it involve for you as a community? I can't remember when we actually sat down and started the process. It must have been around about May last year. So I put in an initial proposal to keep Scotland beautiful, to ask them for support to facilitate the process. And that came about at a good time because there was some resources available through the Community Renewal Fund and a consortium of organisations of which I was also involved in had some resources at the time. So that married up quite nicely. The, The proposal to do the plan and there being some resources to make it happen. So that's where Heather became involved. One of the main starting points was thinking about what we already do. Um, so, you know, we play a part as a school in, in the, the community. And it was kind of thinking about what do we actually do already to give back to the community? Like, you know, we do a food bank donation appeal around about Christmas time. As I was speaking about the change makers group that we already have, and then you know the other kind of involvement with litter picks and things, and then coming along to those meetings was about talking to all the other groups what they're doing, and then seeing you know are there any links? What are priorities as a whole group? What are your individual priorities? And it kind of came together uh, through that way, I would say. So a truly collaborative process. It's wonderful to see. Um, how was it working with adults? Um, it's actually really good. They've been really helpful and very inspiring. They have more knowledge than we do. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> we're, you know, coming into this meal, I mean, we were, I'm going to be honest, we were a bit clueless about it. <laughs> but um, having John and his team working with us, it's been, it's been a real, you know, game changer for us. So I just wanted to ask you, how did it feel um, being involved in this as a young person? Community action can be seen as sort of adults realm and tackling really big issues um it felt well very i feel very achieving achieving yeah they like achieved a lot um and especially you know we've came up with new ideas that we 
we had in our back of our heads and we thought we'd never be able to be, you know, kind of made by us, if you would. But the fact that we have, it makes us not only as, um, in ourselves, but as pupils and prefects and members of Falkirk High and members of our own community, um, it makes us feel very grateful that we're able to do this. Very proud as well. I mean, it's all going towards, you know, well, our future, everybody's future. How was it um, working with young people on this project? Um, I think it's great to have a, a kind of different outlook on things. There's lots of things that the pupils would, would say or suggest that I wouldn't have particularly thought of. You know, all the, the pupils that we had along were, they enjoy speaking about things and their, you know, their, their confidence skills were kind of growing as each meeting happened. Um, so, yeah, I found it great working with them. Well, I am background is youth work, so I didn't need any convincing that young people were the key to this in many ways. I don't want to sound over dramatic, but this is an existential issue. If the planet's to continue and we're to enjoy quality of life, then action is required. By the time the full impact of this is realised, I probably won't be here, but the generation behind me will so they need to be empowered to take control of this in as much way as they can with our guidance. And I think, you know, young people have demonstrated their willingness and ability to do that. So I don't think it's an option. I think it's it's necessary. I mean, I use the strap line often, young people are the solution, not the problem. And we need to invest in that. And Maya and Olivia are excellent examples of that young people we require and need their enthusiasm and insight. You've got to remember when you get to my age and people become quite cynical about things and things can't change. And that still frustrates me because things can change, things must change. And young people have the energy, enthusiasm and just the, the ability to do that. I was going to ask you uh, about any community actions that you identified as something that might go ahead or is going ahead. Um, During meetings, we've talked about food education and how to cook well seasonally and how, you know, it's important for young people to learn more about how to, you know, make decent meals on a budget, just really realistic things. Um, but also how to do it while helping the environment, recycling, eating seasonally, and also eating maybe your own homegrown veg. One of our old captains for PGMT was really passionate about starting up a gardening club or something to do with gardening in, within our school community, um, which we have done. Uh, we're currently growing potatoes, I think, in our garden out the back, Um but we've got some teachers also putting in extra time and work and helping out with that. And we've got loads of pupils who are very passionate about seeing what they eat. We've, I'm sure we've used a few of the potatoes that are grown now in home ec. Um, yes, have. <laughs> yeah, you have. So it's a really, it is a really good garden. Obviously, we're not growing much right now because of the weather, but we're hoping to start growing a lot more come the season next year and use a lot of it not only in our met kitchens but hopefully also in our um, canteen kitchens as well. The big priority at Tamfer Hill is energy efficiency. We now have a more detailed plan of action uh, to look at our energy efficiency audit of the Tamfer Hill Community Hub. So that 
will partly be to look at alternative energy sources like solar, heat pumps and, and so on, but it'll also look at how within the existing structures there are things that we can do, better insulation, windows, heating systems, do we need the whole heating system on all of the time in all of the rooms? So we have a process now in place that will we'll start with an energy efficiency audit of the building. From that, we will come up with proposals about what needs to happen to improve that situation. And I think that will probably involve some kind of grant submission to one of the funds, Scottish Government funds. It was maybe a medium-term action. It's now a short-term action. We need to see results. I would hope to come back at this time next year and say we're in the process of installing heat pumps. We're in the process of putting solar panels on the roof. Going back to the community growing, we've got five new planters created beside the community hub in the woods um, to go with the existing four planters. Tidy Cleaning Green have just taken on a piece of waste ground uh, in the middle of Camelin and they've put planters and seating in there and some artwork. And we have things potentially happening up at Easter Camus Public Park. So there's already been an increase in using green areas for growing projects. And there's another old disused park in Camelin that we're looking to develop as possible allotments. So I would hope to be come, again come back in the spring and say the tatties are in, we've got some fruit bushes in, we've got some fruit trees in. Um, there's areas in our community that are perceived to be problematic in terms of antisocial behaviour. At least two of those locations are on our sites to be transformed into some kind of community spaces. And that would include seating, planters, trees, fruit bushes, and possibly play facilities. So that I don't think the solution is to put barbed wire around these areas and have turrets with machine guns. I think the idea is much more practical and useful is to transform them into green assets and community facilities. That's maybe a longer term aspiration, but work has already started on that. We agreed that the core group who developed the plan would act as a steering group. And we had our first steering group meeting last week. So we will monitor the plan. So each meeting would start with an update, what's happened against the actions in the plan. And that would be shared by everybody who makes up the core group. But I think it would also be a forum for what needs to happen, who needs additional help. Is there funding required? Or is there resources that we could deploy? Or is it just a case of somebody spending some time to offer some support? So they, they will act as a steering group to, to, to drive that plan forward. I think maybe it will meet quarterly. It might be that subgroups could meet, you know, if it's just to look at a specific project, two or three of the partners could get together rather than the full core group. It's an organic plan, and I think it's never a finished plan. There's got to be scope to bring more community groups on board. I think one of the challenges is to bring in the bigger players and the bigger stakeholders. Although the plan took cognizance of this whilst it was being developed, and an awareness that some things were the responsibility of government, both local uh, and national, there's other agencies 
that need to come on board to help us make things happen. And that, I think, falls on the local authority, Falkirk Council and Scottish Canals, who are a massive player in this area. And I mean, our neighbourhood and the area of climate change, we need to mobilise them in a meaningful way and bring them into that plan so that they can enable things to happen in a way that the community on its own can't. And that is going to be a challenge. Maya and um, Olivia, what would be your message to other young people about getting involved in community climate action? Just get involved with it. You know, some of the ideas that we've put forward, we thought were absolutely crazy. You know, (laughs) never going to happen. And here we are, they have happened. Get involved. Definitely. Just go for it, you know, put forward your ideas. Like one of our meetings that we went to, we suggested about a toy library and now there is one for the community um, to use. Find yourself um, somebody like John. Yes, that's true. John, when can you clone yourself? What would you say to other communities out there to encourage such planning? Any sort of key tips? I think it has to be made relevant. So, and I think it has become in the last six months ever more relevant. I mean, you might even go back to COVID. We did a survey quite long before the Community Climate Action Plan started. One of the things that was concerning was that a lot of people didn't see it as a big issue. It didn't affect them. It wasn't relevant to them. It was what middle-class hippies got involved in and how is it relevant to us? So I think that was a point of realisation that actually this has an immense immediate impact, but people aren't aware of it. So we have to make this relevant. We need to make it connected to people's everyday experiences. So, you know, your increased insurance on your house, the, the increased bad weather, and what's happening as a consequence to you and your personal economy, we need to make that connection. And uh, one last question. Why do you think communities will make the real difference in making sure that we act on climate change in time? The more communities that get involved with this journey, we think the more other communities will go, oh, maybe we should do that in our area. And maybe, you know, maybe we should get involved in something similar to that to help our area as well. I think it's a belief in bottom-up change will come from ordinary people in ordinary situations, but there's no getting away from the fact that others need to buy into this. Communities on their own will not find solutions. Communities are very resilient. They'll find ways of surviving and, and getting by and putting mitigations into place, but to move forward and thrive, there needs to be social structural changes And we need support to do that. The big players need to come on board. There's a willingness in communities to take things forward, but we need that support. We need partnerships, meaningful partnerships. We need to all come to the table without agendas. The only agenda should be to work together to bring about lasting positive change. So uh, thank you, everybody, for joining me for this conversation. Thank Thank you for having us. I can't help but imagine Camlin and Tamfer Hills green spaces and school gardens bursting into life this spring. And I hope the community centre's energy efficiency is getting sorted as well, along with the multitude of other projects they had in mind. 
I wanted to finish with a couple of more questions for Heather about her tips for community groups, starting with her reflection on what makes for a successful community climate action planning exercise. Um, so I would say that our combination of online and in-person planning sessions has helped to make a successful planning exercise for different reasons. I should mention that for Camelon and Tamber Hill, we were able to go and be with them in person to run their session. Um, so that was really great. But the online sessions were really good too, because like I said, some of those sessions where all the communities were together in them and they said that they got so much out of being able to talk to each other. Um, and that was really great to see. Um, I'd also say having an open invite to anyone in the community to join really helps because then everyone feels like they've got a voice. Um, having a couple of people in the community to lead the process is really important. It's really important to have um, somebody there who's happy to be taking charge at that point. Um, having meetings with structure, um, feeding back what they've agreed and checking in with them to see how they're progressing and also what they might need help with. Um, I would also say that we help support a process which groups may have otherwise struggled to resource by themselves in terms of knowing where to start, um, gaining buy-in and having a tried and tested methodology as well, that kind of thing. I would say that sort of makes a successful planning exercise. You mentioned tools um, and resources. Do you have any recommendations if a group wanted to do something for themselves? Is there some to go to resource they can they can um, just take off the shelf and go with it? Then we would definitely recommend the Place Standard tool as a good starting point, and that's openly available at ourplace.scot. Um, and they've also recently released a new version uh, with a climate lens that I think would be really useful for communities. Um, the Place Standard tool is really great for gauging what people want in their communities and what they want to see improved and also what they already like about their communities. Is, I think it's a really great process. Um, and I would also just recommend um, Adaptation Scotland's resources um, when you're looking at how to make your community more resilient to the impact of climate change. They've got some really great scenarios which suggest ideas that your community could take forward. Um, so yeah, they, they've got some really interesting resources too. I would recommend those too. So what's next for KSB work on, on this? Okay, so um, I've already mentioned, I think, that we've received funding in April this year to um, from Scottish Government to continue to support our communities that we have already for another year. Um, we have set up a peer-to-peer -peer network for the, com uh, the communities that we work with, uh, with the Community Climate Action Plan Programme, so then they can support each other and their plans as well. Um, we also set up Q&As with experts in the sector, again, to support communities with their climate action. We recently had one on green participatory budgeting, and that was really interesting uh, from personal standpoint as well to see what that was all about, as well as the communities were able to engage and ask questions and just find out a bit more about that um, process. And we also organise one-to-ones with communities so then they can discuss with us um, about how they, how we can continue to support them and their ideas and their concerns as well, um, just to sort of be there for them and to support them as much as we can. Just working through this process the last couple of years, we've become more aware of the need and demand across Scotland's communities for structured support to help local people to understand the um, the local impact and implications of climate change and identify feasible but also ambitious climate actions they can take. 
many more communities have been approaching us to run this program. Um, as I said, we had loads of applications, but also throughout the last year or so, people reach out and ask us more about the process. Um, so at Keep Scotland Beautiful, our aspiration is to continue supporting Scotland's communities um, to learn and understand their role in combating climate change and protecting the places that they care for. So that's what we want to, that's what we want to do. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and maybe even a review. It will really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. Or maybe you would like to join our brand new Storyteller Collective. You can drop our Story Weavers a line at stories at scottishcommunitiescan.org.uk. To keep up to date, check out our website at scottishcommunities.org.uk or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter.